Okay, you wake up in the forest, and there's a road going north and south. To the north lies Castle Fenrin and the object of your quest. I think I'm going to head west. Uh, but but the road with the castle? Yeah, I think I think Castle Fenrin can wait. They, they didn't really seem all that exciting. You're not going to stick to the road, though? Well, the elders of the village told me that leaving the road was treacherous, and this traveling has been incredibly boring, so I figure treacherous is a big improvement. But you could end up dying or, or losing your character. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I want to find out if there's anything besides forest on this continent. It's all I've seen so far. This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about how to get unstuck. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. And Danielle, why don't you get us started? What are we talking about here? Well, I figured it would be kind of handy to have just like one episode that's like a go-to emergency guide or emergency reference guide, I guess, for Game Masters, Dungeon Masters. Um, Anybody who's struggling with not looking forward to your game or maybe getting really stressed out about your game before it happens or noticing that your players are getting stressed about the game. Yeah, and I think that understanding that you being stressed about the game, that your players being stressed out about the game is not necessarily just a matter of stress. It's it's signaling an underlying issue that you're not maybe excited about it. You just aren't having fun for whatever reason. And, or you or you just feel like like you're not doing something right. So really taking a moment to think about it and and diagnose, I think, what the issue is, is a really great starting point, right? Oh, it absolutely is. And that's and that's not to say, like, I've seen players get stressed about a game before because, you know, big boss fights coming up and they're like, you know, when people get, like, serious stressed and they're like, oh, no, okay, we got to do this, we got to do that. I'm talking, like, like the unfun stress where you're just, or, you know what, actually, I think a better word um, is dread, right? Yeah. If you're dreading the game. Yeah, because if you have high drama in your game, there's going to be some stress. Like, is my character going to make it through this thing? So that kind of stress, totally fine to have, because that, I think, shows that players are invested in their characters, in the game. So I think having that kind of stress is, is totally fine. What we're talking about is this this thing that does, that makes you want to maybe even not show up. <laughs> Yeah, that that feeling, the oh no feeling of ah, uh, I have to put pants on again, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you had mentioned diagnosing the issue, and I think that that's a really good place to start because, um, I mean, I've I've definitely found myself in the spot before where the session's coming up, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm I'm like secretly hoping it doesn't happen. Right? It's like, oh, if only all of my players cancel, <laughs> then all will be well. <laughs> if just one more cancels, then I can say that we're canceling the session. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that's not a great place to be in. And and a lot of times it you, you got to kind of take a step back and think to yourself, um, what's causing this? Right? And uh, so when you're trying to figure out 
why this might be happening, um, a good place to start is when are you getting this feeling? Like, does it happen when you're planning the game? Um, does it happen like just before the session, like within a couple hours? Uh, when a certain player confirms, that's you know that's a pretty that's a pretty big flag on that one. It's like oh no, that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> that one's I feel like that one's probably the easiest to identify. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, wh- as far as when uh, another one would be like when you're at the table and something specific occurs. Like there's this thing that happens and i mean you could give a thousand examples to what that thing could be but it happens and and you can immediately feel either upset uh uh what are what are what are other ways you could feel (laughs) uh nervous unprepared i i think is is uh is one that that might be fairly common um or or just like overwhelmed yeah, that's that's probably a pretty common one, especially with, uh, I'd say especially with new DMs, but I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and sometimes I feel overwhelmed. Yep. So I do think that, I do think that when you're, when you're talking about this, when the issue occurs, you, you have to pair it with some additional data. So if, if you're, if you're feeling this sense of dread be- directly before a session, and you look into it and it's like, well, I'm feeling this dread because I'm obviously not prepared. Then you may want to just consider whether you're whether you're kind of getting to that point of, of DM burnout. And we have a lot of episodes that we're referring to in this session. And this was one that I did not write down the episode about DM burnout. Uh, uh, <laughs> I got it. I got it. Uh, I got it. I did it. Uh, DM burnout. <laughs> I wrote it down. It is episode 40. Yeah, so becomingdm.com slash EP40. If if you're finding that, that you're getting to these not prepared, and being not prepared isn't, isn't a matter of I didn't have time, and it's a matter of I just didn't do it, then you need <laughs> to evaluate, are you still having fun doing this? Is this something where you're, where you're just like doing too much and, and killing the fun that you had and, and getting burnout? And so... This is, I, I think, part of the reason why it's so important to understand when this feeling of dread, when this, when this uh, unhappiness about the game is occurring, because it can help you um, maybe quickly get to a resolution, but maybe it's maybe it's something bigger than that. Yeah, it can it can definitely be a, a number of different things. I know for me, it's usually DM burnout or yeah. just burnout in general. I'm <laughs> 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 so sleepy. Um, yeah, and so that's finding out when it occurs and and how it's making you feel is basically the first step to figure out, figuring out um, where you should be looking for your solution. Yeah, and and also understand how you and your table are feeling. We've been using the word dread, but it could be a matter of boredom. It could be, hopefully not, but maybe anger. Uh, maybe just feeling defeated. And I think um, defeated is, is one of those things that, that you can feel when your stuff is just not landing with your party, maybe. Maybe they're just not latching on to the things that you're providing them and you just like feel defeated. Um, 
all of this, I think, can can lead into you feeling some imposter syndrome, like you're not good enough to be DM, and and taking a moment to understand what these feelings are, where they're coming from, and working on them can help help kind of resolve some of that imposter syndrome. And that's what we're going to spend most of the episode talking about is certain ways that um, that we can feel these ways and, and how to potentially resolve them. Most certainly. So I think the first area where, where maybe we we're going to focus on is if we feel like the storyline is dragging and this can happen from, from a number of different angles, a number of different reasons. And so evaluating on why you think that might be, I think is important. Uh, the first area that we'll talk about is where, where there may be our quest issues and. Oh, my quest. <laughs> yeah, because we <laughs> all like as DMS, we're thinking of these ideas and we're thinking of these things we think are cool to present to our players. And maybe we've, presented something that's really cool that for whatever reason is turning into a bummer, whether it's, whether it's um, you or the players just not buying into it. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just not fun anymore. Right. Oh, I've had this happen and I, I do not like it where I, I, in my head, I was like, Oh, I've got this great idea. It's going to be awesome. And everyone's going to love it. And then and so that lives in my head. And in my head, it's great. It's fantastic. It's the best thing I ever thought of. And then I bring it to the table and and I lay it out and then I see how it actually interacts with people in real life, like as they're playing it. And this hap- this has happened to me before. And I very quickly realize <laughs> that what was a f- awesome idea in my head is a horrible idea in practice and it is not going to work in real life. Well, and I think it can get even worse when, you, when you've when you had this idea in your head for a long time because cause maybe your campaign just did not uh, have a place for it for a while. Or maybe you had it planned and it was a part that was further on down the line. And so you you built it up in your head and you got so excited about it. And and then it then it is just not working out the way you'd hoped. It's hard to let go of it because you've had all of this time waiting and it was going to be this <laughs> cool thing. So so it, it it really is just like first off I, I step 1 is is admitting it. Like this is not working out. <laughs> we we need to I need to figure out a way out of this. And I think that that the probably what I think is maybe the easiest way to to deal with is to just fast track the solution, um, and fast tracking in my in my brain means that we could pull stuff out of the overall um, quest that you're doing. That like, oh, we said it was five stops. It's actually two, and you've already done one. So congratulations, you're halfway there. <laughs> I mean, obviously, don't make it so obvious, but you could have it be like somebody rolled a particularly high. Uh, uh, skill check or or somebody had some good idea that like oh look you found this secret thing and and it allows them to skip the other stuff that you were planning on on having them do whatever that may be um fast tracking i think is is an easy way out of of feeling like you're stuck in this idea that you thought was cool and and turned out not to be 
Yeah, most certainly is. And like when you're, because <clears throat> you said having somebody like find something, um, a lot of times what I like to do is uh, I'll find, I mean, I say a lot of times, which I feel like kind of points like so many fingers at me saying this happens to me <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it doesn't happen that much. Uh, but what I really like to do is sometimes um, there are skills or assets that certain player characters have that just don't get utilized that often. And mm. I've had players at my table that are just so excited about the fact that they can do this one thing, but it never really comes up in the game. And I found that if you can find a way to work that in so that it's this, this super unique thing that happens and it's like, hey, you know that super special skill you have that you've been waiting to use for so long? It just happened. And and it and it, it's going to save you three stops. Your your plus forty to your spot check or your perception check. You just noticed this tiny little pull string up there, and you give it a tug, and it opens up this secret passageway, and everybody can go through it. And you just skipped two out of three of the stops. Good job. Yeah, and additionally to that, it could be a matter of of how they built their character, or choosing a background, or maybe something even tying into their into their their backstory that they wrote themselves that has been sitting on their character sheet for session after session, never really referred to, but in this situation, you've got a way that you can, you can leverage that to uh, include them in the game, but also provide your shortcut. So like a, a noble's background where, where they've been struggling to get to where they need to go and, and this, this high-end carriage uh, recognizes the character with the noble background on the road and offers them a ride to to where they're going. Um, so part of this does require kind of remembering some aspects of your player's characters. And so having like notes jotted down about key things that that maybe might not be remembered, like not necessarily stats, but understanding some of the background stuff and stuff like that um, allows you to tie this in a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Most certainly. Um, any of those tiny little factoids that you can pull out um, are so helpful. Another thing is uh, if, so when you give somebody, when I give my players a quest, um, I don't tell them literally everything in the world. It's, it's pretty sure it's like legitimately impossible to do that. So there's always some, unknown element of the quest uh, like most most quests have some sort of unknown to them right yep but that unknown thing even though you've built it up in your own head you know what it is but they don't right and so you can change that yeah um this was not necessarily a situation where we were stuck but just as an example we had uh, a little side quest kind of thing where the the party was trying to hunt down this group of goblins that was stealing these healing potions and stuff from the town and they kept hearing rumors of this um this group of goblins that was attacking soldiers on the road and they just stopped their investigation there and so they went and pursued that group of goblins and, and killed them found no evidence of the stolen goods go back to town do some more talking to people and find out like find some other piece of information and find them. And it's like this peaceful group of goblins that's trying to heal this wizard that's been taking care of them. But 
just having <laughs> something unexpected come out of the uh, of the uh, of the quest, what's been going on, I think can can change the lens of of how people are looking at it, whether they're having fun or not, and be like, oh, totally did not expect that, and go from there. <laughs> and so did. Uh... How soon did they find out that the goblins were peaceful? Was it like they found out right away or like halfway through the goblins? <laughs> no. So the, the the second group, they actually found out pretty quickly because they they entered this cabin and, and saw the saw the the sorcerer first and the the goblins were a little bit further away. So there was some interaction there. You could tell oh, that nice. the sorcerer was dying. And, and so, yeah. Well, that works. That's nice. That's a nice story. <laughs> <laughs> they all got Very killed. Very and, and then they found out that they were good guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love I love being able to do that because there's so many question marks that the players have. And those are, as much as you might have a concrete idea in your head, um, it's all fluid, right? They can change whenever you want. And... And the bonus to all of that being like semi, like semi solid, is that players come up with ideas. Yep. And uh, and sometimes they're way better than what what you can think of. I know. Yeah. I I'm pretty sure that every DM has experienced this, where you're saying like you've got this idea, you're like, oh yeah, this is gonna happen, and then your players are like, oh, it could be this. And you're like, hey, that's hilarious. <laughs> and dangerous. I like that. I'm doing that. And you like remake a map on the spot. Yeah, it, it was like I think I mentioned this before with my Pathfinder game. They ran into this abandoned town with some undead there, and and um, one of the players said, "Oh, there must be a necromancer nearby." And I was like, "There wasn't, but there is now." <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that happens, isn't it? But but the thing is, is by not communicating every single aspect of what to expect along this quest, you can change them out. And so by changing out something that the players have suggested, you're giving them the opportunity to feel like, hey, I figured this out. I am the smartest person in this party, <laughs> and I just figured this whole thing out. And really what you've done is is taken their suggestion and implemented it into their story, but you don't have to tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just you just take that for your own and claim one hundred percent that it was an original idea. Yep. <laughs> uh great. I love it. Um so that is uh you know, if your quest kind of turns into a bummer, right? So sometimes it can turn into a bummer, but sometimes the party never really gets into the quest. So that's kinda like on a quest that's like doing good and then it just kinda drags on. But this one if if your party just never buys into the into the adventure that you're you know the dish you're serving nobody nobody wants to eat it. Yep. Everyone's like ah, it looks funny, or it smells funny, <laughs> and they just <laughs> and they both. don't want or both right, um, which sucks right because it's it's an idea that you had and you thought was really cool, but players just aren't grabbing onto it. Um, and yeah, it does suck, but you can't you can't make people want to do something that they don't want to do, not really. And so sometimes you just kind of have to allow players to abandon a quest. 
Yeah, and this is hard because you have poured your your blood, sweat, and tears into this thing, and and so you need to make sure you understand that you're letting it go, and you need to make sure that the players are actually not interested in this. <laughs> so, because the last thing you want to do is let it go and then find out, oh, they they actually were kind of interested in this, and they just weren't pursuing it for whatever reason. <laughs> Yeah, that that can happen too, where people are just like not paying attention to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like saving it for last, kind of like the the best bite on the plate. Yeah, we're um, worried about this, so we wanted to level up first before pursuing this guy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then you just got all sad and just swept it under a rug or or what have you. Um, but I think that if you're going to abandon it or allow the players to abandon it, that's actually what we're doing. Hmm. is you need to understand what happens if that quest is abandoned because it, there there's a number of things that could happen. You could have the the story points that are happening within that quest continue on without them and you need to understand then what 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 does that mean when the players aren't involved? Does it maybe have the chance to adapt, twist, change some so that it has aspects that the players are excited about to where maybe they want to jump back on that quest train, which is fine if you're able to do it. Or maybe maybe it's a smaller quest line and, and you just you want to be done with it. And and so maybe there's no larger bearing on the rest of the game. It's just it's just a done deal and, and you don't want to even look at it anymore stay in the corner <laughs> and don't look at me. <laughs> yeah, we we don't make eye contact with that quest anymore. <laughs> um another thing you can do is if uh if if you really don't want the the side effects, potential side effects. So say they just don't go after said uh monster, right? And but you you already have it pre-written in part of your story it like hinges on it that that monster will i don't know kill this village that's also super important to your quest or your mm -hmm. campaign um you can just have another adventuring party go and kill it and then tell them about it the next time yeah. that they're in the pub have have this other adventuring party bragging about these awesome things that they found and this awesome fight that they had and how cool it was <laughs> Yeah, and, and to be honest, this is one of those things where if you have the, the, we'll call it the competing party, do a milestone of that quest, it may be that's always needed to get the party to say, whoa, wait, I want to do that quest and get very interested in it because competition brings out some weird stuff in players when they're playing. And if they're competing against sure this does. other group that like, especially if you give them some personality quirks that are just annoying enough that they just hate <laughs> them, you will be amazed at what the party will do just to show up this other group. <laughs> very, very, very true. Um, yeah. They'll be like, no, 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 no. We're going to go do this or we're going to go do that. And uh, they can get at them. When when I first started talking about this adventuring party telling the other, like, your PCs about mm -hmm. this awesome adventure, um, I did notice something. When, when I was saying that, it started to immediately sound kind of like, uh, 
what do you call that when it's like a it's like a sideways compliment, but but like a sideways insult, right? Where yeah, pa- like, like a, being like passive aggressive, kind of compliment, passive aggressive, yeah. yeah. And it when I was saying it, I said like three sentences, and I was like, actually, this sounds like super passive aggressive. <laughs> 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 so, just a note. Um, your idea, really great, love that. What I was saying, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm just gonna go on record saying that I don't think that what I said was a good idea. <laughs> well, I, I think that if you want to communicate it like that, it has to be subtle. It's not, it, you don't want it to be in their face that look and and you spend thirty minutes regaling them about this adventure that this other party yeah. went on um, because that ver- <laughs> you there's a line, and when you cross that line, it's like, well, yeah, screw these people i I don't even care about that. I told you I didn't care about that. see, I don't care about it. I'm not even paying attention um, <laughs> but some some more subtle ways that you can do it are you can um like I will fairly frequently have newspapers that the players can buy when they come into a town and and that's a way that I have of, of seeding some some smaller side quests, some information about the town they're coming into and stuff like that. And so I'll put in a little little paragraph story about um, this party that that just saved the town from the zombie incursion or whatever. And so the the it, it's not me like talking about all the awesome things that the party got from it, but it, it shows the party like, look, you could have saved it and had an article written about you. And it, and it's, (laughs) it, and it's not so, um, we'll say vindictive, passive aggressive, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I I think it plays a little bit better when you're, when you're subtle about those things. Yeah. You definitely have to be more subtle than, than my initial interpretation of it. <laughs> you, I can tell that like in my mind space, I, I got like into that spot and I was like, nah, I gotta do better, Danny. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way. Or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com slash ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com slash ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. I will say that that regardless of how you wrap it up, but this is probably one of the easier ways to, to do this next part, you can still do things like reuse NPCs because even if they weren't super excited about a quest, they may have have taken a shine to a, to a particular NPC and even if you had them planned as part of that quest, you could still leverage them in some other way. So so don't feel like you're throwing out everything with your quest. There are some things that you can potentially reuse just in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of keep a little bit of that alive. Um, and that being said, so <clears throat> if we're not if we're not abandoning the quest, right? Yep. So it kind of depends on what's wrong with the quest. Because if it's a particular something, right? If there's a something... 
And you might be able to find a way to get the buy-in that you're looking for from the players um, by making some sort of compromise or some sort of change to to what's currently going on. So I guess it kind of depends on what the issue with the, with the quest is. But let's say that there's um, like a troublesome mechanic or point of interest that's just not really working. And you could you could change it or make it more interesting and try to, I guess, bait that interest out of your players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of the, the one of the things I, I think about and and this this often comes when you misjudge your players' interest in certain aspects of the game. So for instance, if you had like this part of the storyline or a whole storyline that was highly political intrigue and involved a lot of role playing and they they just aren't interested um there there's a couple of things you can do you can you can uh one of the things i i know you have an idea here danielle I, i'll kind of say what what my thought was and you can add to it or maybe i'm thinking no, of the you, same you, thing you go for it <laughs> um is is i think adding in a mechanic can help rather than just like have this open field of role play you can provide almost like a menu of options and you don't want to do this for too long. Otherwise it just becomes a choose your own adventure. But in order to get past this one part, maybe it was just one part of the, of the quest that was, was not really being picked up by the the players, giving them kind of a menu of options like, Hey, you, you, you've just talked to so-and-so you could do this or you could do that. Or maybe you, you could, uh, you could stab him, uh, whatever, whatever the choices may be. (laughs) And by doing that, you can get them through that encounter and still retain the, the bulk of the, of the quest that you might be doing. You can, I, I will say this, like, as far as, um, not everybody wants to do the political intrigue thing, mm-hmm. right? And to be completely forward about it, I am one of those people. I do not, <laughs> I don't want to do politics, uh, like have people, like all that subterfuge. Well, I'm going to go talk to the leader of the bread guild, and then we're going to go talk to the leader of the stone guild, and we're going to turn them against each other. I... I don't I don't have like the internal capacity to do that and so I find a lot of ways to get around it <laughs> because ah <laughs> uh, it sucks. So one thing that I do and so this might be helpful for you if you have players that that aren't also not into politicking is uh sometimes I just do like uh I kind of like a newsletter idea, right? So the players will will receive news. And so it's not this interaction. So it's just this Mm -hmm. thing saying, oh, we're going to be doing this vote on X or Y, right? Or an unlimited amount of things. But then they just mail in a proxy vote, right? So as long as it's got the wax crest stamp thing on it. And that way they still kind of get to be a little bit involved with the politicking, but not not fully signed in with the entire role play of all of that. That's yeah. What I do. Yep. If um, that sense. No, I, I think that that does. Uh, I think that uh, another, another thing when you, when you talk about player buy-in, maybe they're just uh, not super interested in, in the travel 
uh, mechanic that you're you're leveraging. So still tying into that mechanics aspect. Uh, some questions that you can ask yourself: Can I condense the travel? Do I need to have all of these stages in the travel? And if so, maybe condense it. Or if you don't need it at all, you can remove it. Uh, depending upon again how important of an aspect to the overall story it is, how important of an aspect it is to potentially have side quests when they're traveling, stuff like that, you could decide to completely remove it, shorten it, whatever. Yeah, and that's... Uh, if you if you find something that's just kind of sucking, um, if you can legitimately just cut it without suffering any sort of negative consequences to your story or whatever, then why not just cut it? Yeah, and it goes back to it goes back to the discussion about is this in your game because it's fun, or is it in your game because you thought it would be a new kooky weird mechanic? And if 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 it's not the first, if it's not fun, then you probably it's probably there's a good a good reason to, to potentially remove it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, one place where I get myself caught up in that and I don't know why it's such an issue for me, is uh, I love realism. I love mm. it. I, I eat that. I eat realism for breakfast. But nobody wants that. No, nobody wants that. Not, not, to, not to a full extent. It's like, well, how many times did you tighten that nut on that bolt? <laughs> right? Could you, could you please role play uh, the wrench action for me? Nobody wants that. You, when there's, was the there's... last time your character had a drink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um I'm sorry, uh Blagdor, but it's been three hours since you went to the bathroom. Um <laughs> Yeah. And so I actually get myself caught up in that. And so I actually spend a lot of time um convincing myself to like cut these unnecessary things. Not that I always add them. I'm just saying that I always want to. Um yep. and I have to be careful to pay attention to something that I think is cool. Um and then I just kind of have to double check myself because that is just a weakness that I have and it does cause a drag on the game sometimes. And so it's something that I just have to be aware of that I do. And I feel like everybody just kind of has their thing. Certainly. I, I think that's a, that's a fair statement. Uh, moving on. If we're, we're still talking about players not being really bought into the quest, the the last thing I think we need to talk about is is finding a solution to increase uh, player interest in the quest. If you if you can't make a compromise, maybe there are things that you can add to it that will just make it uh, more fun for them. Uh, like uh, announce a highly sought after item, magical or otherwise, adding some new storyline components to it. I think is a is a pretty easy thing to do. Uh, I say pretty easy. We're adding a new storyline component to it, but, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, and my favorite is, is to tie pieces of the, of the quest to backstories of the players or tie it to NPCs that are important to the players or that the players hate because, um, liking an NPC or hating an NPC can both be powerful motivators here. Um, I did the highly sought after item once. Mm -hmm. Um, and it it worked like a charm. The players were having trouble finding just a quick story. Players were having trouble finding a blacksmith that could make a specific thing, and so I knew that this quest was going to be like kind of like hum ha. And as soon as I, I just put the reward behind like a magical field that they couldn't 
like break down without completing the quest. And the exact item that they wanted to get built was just on the other side of it. And it was a mundane item, folks. This was not, this was not like a high end expensive magic item, like legendary thingy. This was literally just a chest plate and it was just right there. And it basically said, if you do this, you get that. And they all became <laughs> the most motivated players I've ever seen. They were like, all right, we're on this. And they just charged the rest of the adventure for something that was worth only a couple hundred gold. <laughs> it just goes to show you that you, you that. need to... You... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it just goes to show that, that understanding the motivations of your players can go a long way to getting buy-in into, uh, into a storyline, a quest, whatever. I think moving on from storylines is is if we have a an uninspiring setting and and Danielle I'll let you kick us off here. So I if if sometimes just the environment the setting it can get boring, lame. Uh, actually, I, I I like your word just just uninspired, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it can. It can cause so many problems. So if you find yourself using the same setting all the time, like you are in a forest again, right? And it's easy to rationalize. I, I find it easy to rationalize. It's like, well, of course they're in the forest again because uh, this, this continent has a lot of forests. And, and that's, that's where that's, the wildlife lives. <laughs> yeah, it just makes sense. That's, that's realism, you know? And, but it can kind of make everything seem the same. Mm-hmm. And when everything starts to kind of feel the same, it's it's. I think to a certain degree, it's hard for players to to get that sense of progress, or there's no novelty to the idea anymore. Yeah, I think that we've talked about this in a couple of episodes before, where when we want to have an impact with with a setting for for something, we contrast is one of the biggest ways to do it so if everything is always the same you're not going to have that contrast so let's talk maybe a little bit about how we how we get unstuck on a on an uninspired setting mm-hmm. and there there's a couple of ways but but danielle why don't you start us out all right so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna take this from the we're in the forest again um <laughs> So if you're if you're in the forest and you really you're really hung up on this forest thing and you're like, well, I don't care about the setting. I want the forest to stay, right? And uh so in that regard, you don't have to change the physical environment, but you can change how the environment how how the environment is impacting them or what is occupying that environment. So <clears throat> obviously they're going after some sort of quest, maybe there's a big bad evil guy or whatever. And uh, is it, what are they up to? Could they possibly impact the the setting or the area that the players are in? Something that could even make the quest more exciting, right? So say that they know that they're going after this uh, big bad uh, vampire guy, right? And somehow he's found a way to... He's got this creeping madness that's like going out across the land. And so every time they get to another village, they're they're slightly more mad or crazy or wild or undead, however it's going to be. But in that regard, you're still in the forest every time. But every time you come across people, the closer you get to where you're going, there's still this constant change and this adjustment that 
shows the players are making progress. It's changing the setting to some degree every single time. And uh, it can just kind of, it, I, I guess it just, I just feel the motion more with that. Yeah, and I think that having that gradual change is kind of interesting. If you can do it in a way where through interactions with people, you you start to see strange reactions to the player's behaviors slightly, and then as they get maybe closer to where the big bad is hiding out, those reactions get more extreme and to the point of, of maybe violence uh, at, at some point. And it, it, again, it's, it's back to that contrast. Um, if you if you start small and then just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow, it becomes, you can't miss it because, because all of this stuff starts happening. And I think that that can really change how, how the setting is sitting in your, in your game, how the players are interacting with it. I, I think it has a, a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And then another way that your BBEG could impact the setting, and I know that this one has been uh, popularized, but let's say that they're in the forest again, right? And you're tired of the forest being there. You could, in theory, have one of your big bad guys, let's say, just hypothetically speaking, dig a large pit and have a bunch of people mining in it. People orcs whatever's mining in there and and remove a big chunk of the forest and then you've you've altered the landscape yeah um i mean we saw this in the uh in the D movie where they're chopping down the trees to to use the wood for something so it doesn't even have to be a pit it could be we're we're That's clear fair. we're clear cutting the forest here and get out of our way and anybody we find we're gonna we're gonna hack up to bits because we'll just put them on the the cart with the logs because you built stuff out of people right now <laughs> uh but but having having that that action where the forest is no longer there because of the actions of the of the big bad uh, it is is a way to to have this have this change up as well Hey, everybody, when we were planning this episode, we didn't realize how much content we had and how how much this discussion was going to take. So we're going to split this up into two episodes. So join us uh, in two weeks for the second half of this discussion on how to get your game unstuck. Join us next week for the Becoming DM side quest. And I believe this time we're talking about playing something different with the game Parsley. So we'll see you then. And until then, stay Stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are Becoming DM. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.